everyone. My name is Josh Scroggins. I pastor New Beginnings Family. Just wanted to say thank you for joining our podcast and welcome. We hope the following message will be encouraging, will inspire you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support our ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.nbfamily.net. And as always, for all you do to support us, thank you. God bless you and enjoy the message. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. We are finishing up our series called Makers. And we have been in this series for the last several weeks. I'm excited to finish this up today. Um, Our theme verse is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. In this series, we've been focusing on becoming and making disciples. And as always, I hope that these are blessing you. And if they are, please like, share, comment, rate, review, all that good stuff. Um, When Jesus taught, he almost always did so by using parables. And basically, parables are stories or examples of ordinary things that are not spiritual, uh, that are used to communicate something very spiritual in nature so that we can understand it better. Uh, In this series, we've been using the same technique that Jesus used to teach. We've been using a parable. That parable is a cutting board. Uh, Discipleship is like making a cutting board. The bad pieces of wood must be cut away. The boards must be straightened. Pieces must be joined together until they are one. The joint piece must be shaped by many small changes until it's smooth. And finally, the board must be saturated and coated with oil to keep the wood from drying out. The principles of discipleship are found in this parable. There's things in our lives that we must cut out, that must be taken away to make us usable by God. We must be joined to one another through Christ until we are one body. We are shaped and changed to be more like Jesus by the small, consistent, daily habits that we do, such as prayer and being generous, speaking life, showing forgiveness, guarding ourselves from exposure to temptation, and so much more. Now, we've covered all of those in the last three weeks. Today, in this episode, we are finishing by talking about the oil. When I'm finished cutting and gluing and flattening and sanding the board, the only thing left to do is to finish it. Now, in woodworking terms, finish is a noun, right? It, it is the thing that's applied. So the finish on a wood could be whatever it is that you put on that wood to protect it, right? So paint can be a finish. Varnish can be a finish. Stains are part of a finish, uh, although they don't usually protect the wood unless it's a, got something else with it. There's various types of, of urethanes and uh, uh, there's there's plastics and there's a lot of stuff like that. Liquid plastic, there's, um, there's a lot of different things you can put on wood to protect it that are called finishes. And in cutting board, um, in, in the cutting board world, most of those are not, they're not options because cutting boards are a little bit different than most woodworking projects in that you're going to put food on them. And so whatever you put on this board needs to be food safe. It needs to be safe if you get a little bit on your food because you will. And so there's really only one option. And that word is oil and not just any oil, but um, mineral oil. 
I like to mix mine with wax, right? So what I do is I get beeswax and I get mineral oil and I kind of mix them together. And the reason I do that is that it helps to kind of, the wax fills the porous places of the wood that bacteria likes to get trapped in. But really the wax isn't necessary, but the oil is. Many people use only mineral oil. They don't do the wax. And then they just sanitize the board a little bit more. Um, by the way, not in the dishwasher. If you have a wooden cutting board, do not put it in the dishwasher. If you do, you're going to need a new cutting board. Okay, it will destroy it. Wax might be optional, but oil is not. See, without the oil, the board will dry out and crack. And if it cracks, your board might start to grow bacteria. In the Bible, oil is symbolic of the work and anointing of the Holy Spirit right? The spirit of God. Oil was used to anoint priests and kings. It was used to pray over the sick. It represents the power and work of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not going to go into a full teaching in this episode on the Holy Spirit because that's number one, that's way too big a topic for one episode. Uh, And next year, we're actually going to do a lot of teaching on that subject, specifically talking about the Holy Spirit. Today, I simply want to share with you how the Holy Spirit works in our lives to help make us more like Jesus. Just before Jesus left the earth, he promised that he wouldn't leave his disciples alone. And in fact, here's what he said. It's in John 14, verses 16 and 17. It says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate or helper who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it does not recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. The last part of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ is found in this passage. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would become our advocate or our helper. Jesus then goes on to tell them that the Holy Spirit was actually already with them and that later he would be in them. And the fulfillment of that second part came on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. It's actually where the name Pentecostal comes from. It refers back to the day when the Holy Spirit moved from being with the disciples to also being in the disciples. And this is what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit gets in us. And no, not possession, empowerment. I want to say that again so we understand. We talk about the Holy Spirit being in us. I'm not talking about possession. I'm not talking about where God comes in and just just takes over our bodies like we're some puppet and he's a puppeteer. That's not what we're talking about. I'm not talking about possession. I'm talking about empowerment. We'll talk a lot more about that next year, but Today, since we're talking about the basics of discipleship, I want to talk to you about working with the Spirit. And today, my hope is that even if the Holy Spirit is not yet in you, that you understand He has always been with you. So let me ask you some questions. Have you ever met someone and you just immediately felt like something was wrong with them or wrong about them. And you didn't have any logical reason for it, but you knew something just wasn't right. And you didn't have anything to back it up, but you just knew something, something in you knew there's not, something's not right here. There's something not right with them. And then all of a sudden later you found out that 
what you were feeling was true? Have you ever had that happen? How about this one? Have you ever felt prompted to pray for someone or something, but you didn't know why? And then later you discovered there was a need that you didn't know about that you were praying for. Or how about this? Have you ever started to go in one direction and then felt uneasy about it and changed directions and then found out later that you narrowly avoided danger? Have you ever started to do something that was wrong and, and felt a bad feeling about it because you knew it was wrong, even though there was no one around to tell you? Have you been praying about a major decision that you're wrestling with and then all of a sudden you felt peace about it? So these are examples of moments where the Holy Spirit was with you. And here's a truth that a lot of people do not understand. The Holy Spirit is not only with Christians. The Holy Spirit is also with unbelievers. Now before you turn off, let me prove that. In John chapter 16, verses 7 through 11, here's what Jesus says. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I am leaving. For if I do not leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, this is the Holy Spirit, the helper, he will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. Regarding sin, because they do not believe in me. Regarding righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you no longer going to see me. And regarding judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. What does Jesus say here? He says, the helper, which is the Holy Spirit, will convict the world regarding sin, righteousness, and judgment. Notice who it is that Jesus says the Holy Spirit will be convicting. And we know he's not talking about believers here because he even says that he will convict the world regarding sin. And then he says, because sin, because they don't believe in me. That specifically is who he's talking about. The Holy Spirit will be convicting. The Holy Spirit is with the people who do not believe. He's not convicting believers. Why? Well, because the purpose of conviction is to lead to repentance and believers have already repented. We don't need the Holy Spirit to convict us of sins we've already repented of. Now, I don't know your salvation story, but I do know one thing about it. It happened after the Holy Spirit had done something in your heart. Maybe you were in a church service, like the very one we had this last Sunday, and the preacher, like me, was talking about sin and salvation, and suddenly you felt this wave of guilt about your own sin. There was this longing to repent, a a drawing to act, a yearning to get your life right with God. It was not the power of the preacher in that moment. It was the work of the Holy Spirit with you in that moment that made the difference. You see, it's the job of the Holy Spirit to convict. To convict, not to condemn. To convict, not to to condemn. What's the difference? Well, to condemn is to punish. To convict is to draw a person toward repentance to avoid the punishment. To condemn is to write someone off. To convict is to try to restore a relationship. See, to be a disciple of Jesus is to work with the Holy Spirit. Just like applying the oil to the wood of the cutting board keeps the wood from drying out and cracking. Working with the Holy Spirit keeps us from getting spiritually dried out and breaking. I mean, have you ever walked into a church service after a really hard week and halfway through the worship, you feel like all the dry parts of your heart have just had a drink? 
Have you ever been praying and seeking God and felt like your fear or depression or emptiness or doubts just seemed to melt away? The Holy Spirit is the oil that our hearts need to keep from growing dry. We can choose to walk with him or not to. That's why some churches you visit might feel dry and some seem alive. What's the difference between the two? You can have two different churches on any given Sunday that could preach the same sermon from the same scripture, right? Same passage of the Bible. They could be telling the same story. They could both be made up of flawed people. They could even sing the same songs. They could have the same level of talent on the stage leading the the music. They could have the same number of people and they could have similar buildings and one feel alive and the other feel dead. How is that possible? Simply put, the one that is alive is the one that is working with the Holy Spirit. The one that is dead is the one that is not. Now, there's many reasons for this, but make no mistake, that is always the difference. One church might invite the Holy Spirit to move as he sees fit, even if that means changing the order of the service. Another might stick to the schedule regardless of what God wants to do. And that same truth that applies to churches applies to our daily lives as well. See, you don't have to wait to come to a church on Sunday or Wednesday night or whenever you go to church. You merely have to be willing to work with the Holy Spirit and listen to his directions. And this isn't something that only happens once either. I don't just apply oil to my cutting board one time and then expect that for the rest of the time I have it, that it'll be fine. Did you know that a wooden cutting board needs to have oil reapplied regularly to avoid getting dried out? And did you know that a Christian must reapply spiritual oil to our hearts regularly to avoid getting dried out? You ever been to a place in your life where you were spiritually dry? Trust me when I say, you'll know when you're there. Well, what happened? How did we get to that place? Well, we stopped working with the Holy Spirit in some way. We stopped praying. We stopped reading God's word. We stopped going to church. We stopped listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When, when we stop doing those things, we will eventually dry out. We must keep reapplying fresh oil. Psalm 92.10 says, You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. That's the word, fresh, fresh oil. We can't live on last week's oil because it has an expiration date. We need fresh oil every single day. We need time on our knees before God every day. We need time in God's word every single day. We need to be listening to God direct us every single day. We can't expect that saying a prayer one time when we were young is enough. Just as you can't expect to sit down, eat one meal, and then not have to eat the rest of your life. We need fresh oil for today or we risk drying out. So what does that look like? What does it look like to work with or to walk with the Spirit? Now, again, I'm I'm not talking about the Spirit being in us. We'll talk about that at another time. But let's talk about being with the Spirit because this is something that all of us do or can do. Let's take a look at a few practical ways that we work 
or walk with the Spirit. Number one, pay attention to the prompts that you feel when you're seeking and praying for direction. The Holy Spirit guides us and leads us. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus was actually led around the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. When you're praying for direction, and you should be daily, you should be praying for direction. You should be praying for God to lead you that day. We're told that. We're told that in Scripture. We're told that in the Lord's Prayer that as we as we pray, we should be doing that. You should be praying for direction. You should be seeking God's direction. And as you're doing that, pay attention to the prompts that you feel. Pay close attention when you feel it, because it could just be that the Holy Spirit is telling you about an open door you need to step through. So to work with the Holy Spirit means he does something and we do something. And those two things together mean we're working together. So the Holy Spirit prompts you about maybe an open door and your part is that you step through the door and now you have worked together to get you through a door. Also, number two, pay attention to uneasy feelings you get when making plans. The king of Aram was at war with Israel. He regularly set up traps for Israel and the prophet Elisha would tell the king of Israel to take a different route. And this happened over and over and over again. The king of Aram would set up a trap Elisha would tell the king of Israel to take a different route. Meanwhile, the king of Aram had his army sitting there waiting for this trap and nobody ever came. And it happened again and again and again and again that every time he set up a trap, Israel would take a different route around the trap. And it got so bad that the king actually began accusing his own men of being on the side of Israel. See, the Holy Spirit works the same way. We have a very real enemy. There is a very real devil and he hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill you. He wants to tear you apart. He wants your world to be torn down. And the enemy sets up traps for us. Traps in, in categories like temptations, frustrations, distractions, or deceptions. And the Holy Spirit warns us not to go that way. And, and, and it doesn't mean that we always know why, but we feel something in us say, don't do that. Don't pick up the phone. Don't call that person. Don't text that person, right? Don't go to that event. These little things, don't go this way, take that way. We have these little feelings and we get an uneasy feeling about something that we can't explain. And the Holy Spirit might not always tell us why, but we get this uneasy feeling. Let me just ask you, have you ever ignored one of those feelings and then regretted it later? I know I have. You know, it's interesting to know that this is at the core of why Jesus told us to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So pay attention to uneasy feelings you get when you're making plans. Number three, be bold and trust that the Holy Spirit will give you the words and the wisdom that you need. One of the ways that, you know, it, it's interesting. The first two ways we're talking about working with the Spirit 
Uh, in fact, you're going to find that that most of these actually require the Holy Spirit to make the first step and we just respond. But in this case, it's not. In this case, it's a little different. Sometimes working with the Holy Spirit means that you're taking a step of faith. It means that you're stepping out of faith and trusting him to come through and do his part. Working with the Holy Spirit means we do our part and we trust that the Holy Spirit will do his part. And so being bold sometimes is our part that we do and it's how we work with the Holy Spirit, right? One of these ways could be bold in speaking out. For instance, witnessing, right? Telling people about about Jesus, telling people about your relationship with God or counseling, right? Seeing somebody that's going through something you have been through yourself and maybe you still feel inadequate to speak to their life. You feel like you're not experienced enough. You feel like you're not good enough. You have all these insecurities hit and you say, you know what? I'm going to speak out anyway and I'm going to trust that, that God will give me the words or discipling, right? Kind of mentoring. Many of us do not feel qualified to mentor someone do it anyway. Be bold and trust that the Holy Spirit will give you the words you need when you need them. And also, sometimes boldness means that we're speaking out against evil, right? John the Baptist did this. He went to the king and he spoke out against evil. There's there's many times throughout scripture where where the prophets and different people had to had to be bold enough and stand up and say, this is wrong. There are things happening in our culture that are evil, things happening in our world that are evil. And as Christians, we need to be able to stand up against those things and call evil for what it is. You know, here in in Eugene, we have something going on right now that we've heard advertised. And I don't know when you're listening to this podcast. Hopefully a lot of you guys are listening to them the week they're released. But I know some will will go back and listen to these uh, quite a ways down the road. But we have a local bar in town that is putting together an event um, with with uh, uh, I won't go into all the details. It's it's pretty disgusting, but it involves uh, uh, featuring an 11 year old boy who will be prancing around on a stage dressed like a girl for the entertainment of men who are there. And one who is, um, I believe, a known uh, uh, offender, sex offender, specifically dealing with child abuse. We need to be able to call evil, evil. That's evil. There is a lot of evil happening in this world. There's a lot of things particularly targeting children right now in our country. And as Christians, we need to be willing to call evil, evil. And sometimes that takes great boldness. But here's what, here's what we're told in scripture. In Luke 12, uh, 11 to 12, it says, when they bring you before the synagogues, officials, authorities, Don't worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you're going to say. Here's what's important, right? Here here we go. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. See, the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and words when we need them. Here's another way we work with the Spirit. We repent when we feel conviction about something that we're doing or have done. See, this is working in connection with the spirit. We're working with the spirit when we repent in response to conviction, right? Again, it's our part and his part working together. In this case, the Holy Spirit's part is conviction. 
Our part is repentance. What does repentance mean? Well, repent literally means to change your mind, right? It means to change your heart. It, it doesn't just refer to saying the words, I'm sorry, but it refers to us changing our mind, changing our direction. It, it refers to a change of heart, a change of attitude. And when we respond to conviction with repentance, we work with the Spirit. When we ignore the conviction, we are in fact refusing to work with the Holy Spirit. Another way we can work with the Spirit is to study God's Word and let the Holy Spirit illuminate it. Right? This is more than just reading the Bible each day. I, I think you should be reading the Bible each day. I think it's good for you, but you can't just read it like another book. To work with the Holy Spirit means not just reading the Bible, but reading it with an open heart that allows God to speak to you through what you've read. This is more than reading. It's allowing God's word to teach you. John 16, 13 and 14 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he is to make known to you. The Holy Spirit will speak to us what he hears from Jesus. Now, Jesus has several titles in the Bible, but one of them is the Word. In other words, the Holy Spirit can speak to us in a way that illuminates the truth of the Word and how it applies to our very lives. So study the Word of God, read the Word of God, but don't just read it like a book. Don't just read it like anything else you would read. Read it with a heart that is open and listening and, and watching for the Holy Spirit to illuminate it to show us how it applies to our lives today. Number six, you can work with the Holy Spirit by using your spiritual gifts whenever and wherever you can. See, it is the Holy Spirit that is responsible for distributing spiritual gifts as he wills. When we use the gifts he gave us, we are working with him. When we are not using those priceless gifts that we have been given, then we are like that wicked servant who took the talent of gold his master gave him and buried it in the ground rather than use it and grow it. When the Holy Spirit gives us gifts to work, to work with, to use, we need to work with them. We need to use them. And when we do that, we are working with the Spirit. And we also inspire others to do the same, to use their gifts as well. And as a result, we are all blessed. You're blessed when I use my gifts. I'm blessed when you use your gifts. Your church is blessed when you use the gifts God has given you. And finally, another way we can work with the Spirit is to pray with an ear to listen. This is more than reciting a memorized prayer. This is more than praying like most people pray. It's praying as Jesus taught us to pray, with an ear to listen. See, Jesus says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, your will be done. Let me ask you a question. How do we know what God's will is for that day? We listen. See, in my experience, most Christians have never been taught this basic but powerful truth about prayer. Prayer was never meant to be a monologue. Prayer should be a dialogue. Prayer should involve times where we simply shut our mouths and open our ears, where we listen. And when we do this, we're not just praying, 
We're praying expectantly, obediently, humbly, attentively. Working with the Holy Spirit, it's more than important. It's vital to our lives as Christians. Without it, we grow spiritually dry. And when we get dry, it's only a matter of time before cracks start to form. And maybe that's where you're at in your life right now. Spiritually, you're dry. You don't hear God's voice like you used to. You aren't excited about time with him like you used to be. You have lost your passion. And maybe you feel anger or fear or hopelessness or loneliness or depression or something else like those. You feel lost and the cracks have started forming and you feel broken. It's time to stop just going through the motions. It's time to invite God to work with you again. It's time to open your ears, to calm your mind, to step out in faith, to use your gifts, to repent for sin and failures, to pay attention to the ways God is trying to speak to you now. In other words, it's time to ask God to apply fresh oil to your dry and broken heart. Take time with him today. Choose every single day to apply oil to your heart. To work with the Spirit and watch how that fresh oil drastically changes your day today. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us at New Beginnings Family. We appreciate you listening and hope that the message was encouraging, inspiring, challenging, that ultimately it brings you closer to Jesus Christ. If you have any questions for us or would like to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us at www.nbfamily.net. Thank you so much. We love you. Have an amazing day. And thank you for all your support. We'll see you next time.